0: Welcome to Podcast Therapists. I'm Sarah. I'm Amanda. And I'm Caroline. We are all family therapists at different life stages, and we also happen to be good friends. We're so happy to have you join us for a little couch time today.
1: Please like and read us wherever you get your podcast, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcast Therapists. Don't forget the S.
2: We love hearing from you and want to invite you to share any questions or issues you'd like to hear us discuss. We might even do an episode on it because we bet you're not alone with it. Please email us directly at podcasttherapists at gmail.com. Thanks for coming to our session. Hey, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the fact that parents have feelings too. Many times parents are socialized to suppress how we're feeling and it And make it all about our kids, but we're actually here to tell you that your feelings are important and talking about them is actually gonna increase your child's ability to empathize with you and problem solve. And also, you're just gonna feel better. So, today we are gonna talk about how to talk about your feelings, the timing of when to share, and we're also gonna give you some strategies for what not to do because there are some important considerations when you're talking about them. We also want to talk to you about how much better it's going to feel and how it's going to improve your relationships. So we are excited for you to begin to share. Thanks so
0: much. Welcome to Podcast Therapist. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Sarah. Hey, guys. Are you guys ready to go
2: today? I am ready. Thank goodness. Caroline just laughed for 17 minutes yes. straight,
1: <laughs> which was good. We needed to get it out. Yeah, I don't know what happened. So it may, just, it may come back. It might. I think I think we're good now. I feel like I just needed to get some nervous energy out. There we go. So today we
0: have um, tackled a big topic, but one I think is super important to talk about.
2: Yeah. And that is that parents have feelings, too which I think we spend so much time talking about our kids feelings. Like even we did that last week. And I think what's even more important than how our kids are feeling is how we are feeling as parents, but we never talk about it ever.
1: It's so hard to exist and go through a day without checking in on how you're feeling. And Mm -hmm. so I'm like, as a parent, I can imagine you're constantly like, navigating your partner's feelings, your kid's feelings, and you're like juggling all these balls of different people's feelings. But if you're never checking in with yourself, it's like, how do you even know how the day's going? Sarah,
2: you or Caroline, you have literally nailed motherhood, at least parenthood. That is what it is, is juggling everyone else's feelings. And it's really hard to slow down and check in with our own feelings.
0: Absolutely. And there's not a lot of time in the day if, and especially I think if you, as Um, As the default parent, if you are kind of responsible for juggling everybody's emotions, and everybody seems like they're doing well, the last thing you want to do is introduce your own how you're feeling, especially if it's going to bring anybody down. So I think a lot of times the negative feelings get tucked away. Because essentially
2: what we're we're talking about is how do we talk to our kids about our feelings? So it's not even how do we talk about our feelings with our partner, with our friends. Hopefully everyone has a support system where they can at least complain to other people. But how do we talk specifically to our kids about how we are feeling? Because that is something very important that has been glossed over, I think, forever.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for a long time like, we didn't talk about feelings at all. Like, for years and years, society was more focused on, like, staying alive mm-hmm. than it was talking about our feelings. And so I think there's a trickle down from that even now, where if your parents never talked about their feelings, then how would I know how to talk about my feelings? And then I become a parent. And I maybe only focus on my kids' feeling.
0: Right, exactly, Caroline. And I think too, if you think about it, I mean, Caroline, Amanda, you guys are different ages, and then I'm on top. of That I'm the oldest. So, but I don't know about you guys. My parents absolutely didn't really discuss feelings with us. It was almost like talking to us about their about money. Like it was just a no no. Like you just don't discuss those things in front of your children. Mm-hmm. So, how do you think kids kind of assess how their parents feel if no one's talking to them?
2: So I think that. Part of what happens is that parents are told, don't talk about your feelings. Don't talk about your feelings. It's always all about your kids' feelings right now. It's always like we're in a helicopter parent generation. And so we are so hyper-focused on how our kids are feeling and helping them and helping raise healthy kids. But what we're doing is by ignoring our own feelings, we are almost creating a group of kids that kind of think it's all about them, said with love. And my kids are in, in this group as well.
0: Right, and we also are talking about entitlement right now. I mean, that's a big discussion in our in our society and our culture, and and kind of in a, the idea of protecting them from us or by you know protecting them from any feelings, including our negative or positive ones. We're actually creating entitled kids. We're we are decreasing the opportunity for them to develop empathy, for example. And
1: well, un- oh, sorry, no, go ahead, Carolyn. Um, I also think we're teaching kids that feelings are scary. Yeah, inadvertently. Right. Like if I never talk about my feeling until it's huge and it like comes out, then feelings are unpredictable. Feelings are uncontrollable. And so it's like we have to show kids that like if adults talk about their feelings, then kids can talk about their feelings. Right. And that's basically
0: modeling. Right. Like that's that's kind of when we talk to parents about modeling things in their own homes. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about doing the thing you want your kid to learn to do. Um, and I don't know, I was raised by a generation of like, do what I say, but don't do what I do. Like, you know, my parents smoked, like it it was lots of different things. Right. Um, and it's okay for adults to do this, but when it comes to emotions and feelings, I think, you know, there, we're all humans. We all feel usually the same array of feelings. It's really important to help label those and, and share those. Absolutely. Now that I'm thinking about this,
2: I think that obviously in this room, not obviously, but we are all women. And I think that that I can recognize that this is happening within the fatherhood community a lot is we're really working hard to try and help fathers learn how to express their own feelings, because we want to raise young, young men who know how to express their feelings. But I actually think we as women really need to do a lot of this work, too. Because society has told us, Don't express it. Don't express it. Um, Your job is to kind of make everyone else happy. And so we need to take our own responsibility with that and do something different by expressing our own feelings in a healthy way.
1: Well, and feelings take up space. Yes. And I feel like our culture, in particular around women, sometimes has messaging that like you're supposed to stay in your lane and not cause a rift and not take up space. But if, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead.
0: So I also think, though, with with same sex families, right? Yes. So I have I'm married to a woman. And so there's two women um, as parents. And I have to say, there's still kind of a default parent role for mm-hmm. for me. Um, and so I, um, I probably fall into that. Not not that there's a girl part and a boy part, by the way, let me be clear, that is not what same sex relationships fall into those categories. But um, I think there's always a default parent, right? There's always a parent that kind of is the one that is balancing or orchestrating more in the in the house or ho- household. And um, I think a lot of times that might be the parent that doesn't have the same opportunity to share.
2: Absolutely, because you're juggling everyone else's feelings and everyone else's feelings is taking precedence over yours. And I have to say, if we want to raise a generation of young men and women who express their feelings, which I think everyone now really would like to do, we have to model that in our homes. Because we cannot expect our kids to learn it just by us teaching them. We have to show them how to do it. Over
1: and over and over again.
2: Over and over. Because our feelings are important too parents have feelings, y'all. <laughs>
1: I do. Amanda, your feelings are valid. Thank you. I'm like, thanks guys. I needed this. <laughs> so I feel like we're talking a lot about juggling, right? Mm-hmm. Like all the things that you have to juggle as a parent. Have you guys ever heard of the like plastic ball, glass ball analogy? Nope. Nope. Wait, deep thought from Caroline <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Um, (laughs) (laughs) so there's this idea that like people in the world, we're all juggling things, right? And there are different categories of balls that you juggle. So we could talk about like your own things and priorities. And then as a parent, you have your kids and you have your partner and then you have work and then you have whatever. So every category, so like your feelings, your kids' feelings, work, your partner has plastic balls and glass balls. And at some point you're going to drop a ball right? Like that's how juggling works. But the idea would be dropping a plastic ball because it doesn't break versus dropping a glass ball has like a greater impact on the system. So I feel like what we're saying is that like, we have made our own feelings into like not a ball in the system that we juggle. Oh, yeah. Like has to be a ball and it has to be a glass ball, right? It has to be something that we address at some point, because if we don't, there's going to be this like greater effect on the system as a whole. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. I Mm kind of love that. And in my head, I have this whole visual because that's how I think. This Mm -hmm. is how I like go through my day when I have to not do something. I'm like, if I drop the ball on this, is it plastic or glass?
0: Oh, oh, that's great. You may have just changed my life. Mm -hmm. Totally.
2: But so so
1: I'm like, feelings have to be a priority. Yes.
2: They have to be a glass ball in the system, in the whole family, not just in your own head, but in the whole family.
1: Yeah. And what I like about
0: this too, like you said, you know, you're going to drop a ball. Everybody drops the ball all the time, at least one or two or 50 in my case a day. So in that case, when they drop and you're not discussing your feelings, let's talk a little bit about that because these feelings will find their way out Mm -hmm. and it's not always pretty. No. So for parents and kids too.
2: But when we as human beings don't express our feelings at all, they They come out sideways. So that's what I say It's kind of like if I'm sitting around and I'm feeling angry at one of my kids for something or worried about one of my kids for something, it's like a snowball, it starts really small, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until I simply it's going to explode. And then I explode. And I handle my emotions in a way that I don't love usually, by being angry or not explosive, but somewhere in that realm. Um, and that, that is scary for the kids. I'd rather them see me just say, Hey, I'm mad about this than a huge snowball that's being thrown at them.
1: Well, and kids are sensitive to the moods of adults. Like kids are very aware, so they can usually tell if like tension is building. Mm -hmm. Um, so then there's this anticipation, or if you're just not talking about your feelings and you're assuming like my kid knows that everything's fine. My kid knows I'm really happy. Like They may, but it's also like kids don't usually just assume really positive things. They need the messaging that like, I'm feeling so happy, right? I am so proud of you or like, you know, I'm really frustrated.
2: Yeah, kids are going to worry if we're not clear about how we're feeling because they are sensing it. So we so they're going to worry about us if we don't at least name it. If we don't name our own feelings, we're essentially not naming the elephant in the room, which is just makes for an awkward situation.
0: Well, and some kids will actually go ahead and create the role of of release valve. So if they're feeling the tension in the household, they will act out or do something to release the pressure in the household, which usually means they redirect the pressure or the the, um, tension onto themselves by choosing to, you know get somebody like if, if you know what's going to make your parent angry, then they go ahead and do it because then they're releasing that tension they feel in that parent. And, and I want to remind parents, I mean, usually when I sit down with a family, I'll say to a kid in front of their parents, you know, how long have you known these people? And the kid usually like, you know, says their age or whatever. And I'm like, exactly. Like, you know, your parents pretty well. Like they're good predictors of what's going to happen next. That's um, a great thought too. Yeah, they they can read it. They can feel it. The outburst behavior of a parent does create fearful reaction in kids. Mm -hmm. Um, There's nothing like a backhanded compliment. Um, I think I've said this before, too, on the podcast, but if you get on the phone Or you're busy doing something and your child comes in and asks for a cookie, that's actually a really positive sign because they're not actually afraid of you. But it's not always helpful. Like you still have to redirect the behavior. I
2: mean, when I'm in my therapy sessions in my closet and my kids interrupt me all the time for, like, where's a pencil?
0: Yeah. (laughs) You mean like that? Yeah, they're not afraid of you. They're not afraid. I'm like, hmm. But outbursts for most parents, I think, too, when a parent has an outburst, the the feedback I get a lot from parents who feel that they're doing that kind of explosive expression is that they feel kind of hungover after that. They don't feel good about that, you know, outburst they've had. They, They worry that it has a negative effect and then they feel bad. And then it kind of creates a secondary cycle, quite honestly, of guilt and shame and all sorts of things that aren't helpful feelings to walk around with.
2: So we want to give you some strategies for how to express your feelings in a way that's going to feel healthy for your family and good for your family. And I actually think I want to start part of this by saying every parent and every person in America is probably having a lot of feelings right now. It's a hard time. It's also a hopeful time. There is a lot of uncertainty in the air. And so everyone is having a lot of feelings and they're all okay right now. So I think that it's important that we can think about how do we want to talk to our kids about how we are feeling ourselves through it.
0: That's great. So um, how do you want to do that, Amanda? Just
1: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh it out for 17 minutes. Yes, I will say I had a good
0: release, I thought. I will
2: start with this. So one day, probably in August, my oldest son was so grumpy. We were having such a hard time. It was in the midst of the pandemic. And, and kind of the quarantine. And the two younger kids were losing their minds. And so we locked the door and I locked them out of the house. And my oldest and I, who's nine, I sat on the couch and I said, I'm just really sad. I'm really sad that we can't go to dinner and there's no swim team and things are hard and I'm worried about folks. And he just looked at me and he was like, me too, mom. And we just sat together. But it had been months of that kind of build. Like that had been building, but we hadn't named it. And the second I named it, I promise you the, the, his mood shifted. It completely shifted because I gave him permission to say those things. And I don't even know what inspired me. I think it was probably loving irritation with my other two. I also locked the dog out. Everybody was out of the house except for me and my oldest,
1: but it was really helpful. Well, and so you put a name to it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it's not just like this scary thing that's floating around the house. of Like a feeling. It's like, oh, I can I can identify what it is that's going on. And I think this is why feeling words are important. Yes. Right. know the feeling you have to. Yeah. You have to be able to identify like what is it that's going on in my body or in my brain so that I know the feeling. Right. And so you can use like talking about your feelings. We said modeling, but it's also like teaching the actual feeling. Yeah. Giving a
0: name to something. I mean, I remember my daughter getting old enough to finally feel PMS and PMS can make preteens feel pretty crazy. And I finally just sat down and said, there are just going to be days where you feel miserable. Mm -hmm. And there's not a word I can think of that actually fits it better. And then finally, there was a word for it. And so that was the word that would come up, you know, occasionally if, you know, we truthfully, I would usually notice ahead of time by just the mood and the tone of voice towards me. But um, it was nice to have her be able to say, I'm having one of those days where I just feel miserable.
2: Because we kids need to know the names for their feelings. And part of how they know those names is us teaching them. And so, you know, Just like you said, Sarah, kids can feel the tension in the air, they can feel the mood of a room, but they don't always know the name of what that is. So if we can give that feeling a name, we're actually teaching them the word for what's happening inside their body. And that's a huge skill like that. That right there is a lot of what parenting is and a lot of what healthy emotion regulation is for kids is figuring out what that sensation in their body is and relating it to a word.
1: Yes. And this is why you have to talk about the hard feelings. Yes. Right. Because if you're only talking about like, you know, the fun, joy, the happy umbrella feelings like joy, excitement, silly, funny, white. L- I can't talk. Um, But like you're missing some of the cues of like. All of the difficult feelings. And if you model that, then you're again giving permission that like all your feelings are OK. So all of your feelings are OK as an adult. All of your feelings are okay as a kid,
0: right? Can I circle back to yes. when you locked your kids out? Um, it, they were safely locked out. I just want to say that so no one thinks that you they locked them out in the front yard of a busy street or something like. No, you, you knew they were safe. Let's oh, just, they
2: were hundred like, percent safe. We get I live in a cul-de-sac. In, I just want to say I that. Mean, <laughs> I mean, was my youngest dressed? Probably not. <laughs> that's fine.
0: We won't. We just won't talk about that. But <laughs> I think, um, yeah. So I I know that for for me, sometimes even as a Clinician, there will be days that are just really tough. I've sat with a lot of people during the day with big things going on, and and I've so I've held space with folks suffering all day. And there are times where I come home and I just want everybody in my house to be happy and harmonious, which is completely unfair, by the way, because my house is no different than anyone else's house, and um, I have to catch myself because I I want I want that. That's not what they want. That's not even a part of their day to day situation, but because I've come off a hard day at work or something that's gone on in my work day, um, I then in turn are holding my family to a new standard, which is not fair. Um, And then myself too, I'm holding myself to a new standard. I don't want to come in and say, I've had a hard day. I want to come in and be like, Hey, yeah, everything was awesome. Because it just feels like if I do that, I'll throw everybody off. And I had to really learn about that when I was when my when my daughter was younger, because I caught myself doing those things.
2: So what do you do then if you've had a hard day? How do you express that? I just don't go home.
0: I, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do go home. Um, usually I will. Um, so so part of it is figuring out timing. I think timing is the number one thing that we want to talk about with figuring out how to share the feelings. But I, I try to first check myself at the door and kind of see where I am with things. And now for like everybody, um, my door is the only door I'm walking through. There's, I don't drive anywhere. I don't, I just walk out of my office, but, um, I just see where I am and I make sure I'm regulated enough to walk into my family situation. And it means I might need five minutes downtime before I then go join my family. If I've been in a situation that's been stressful. Um, or and, and then when I go into that situation, I just make sure I'm in a good place to be able to share my feelings if they're ready. And I, I assess the timing of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things, for example, the timing that I'm famous for and I just shared with you guys was um, I'm really I'm always the one that decides to call family meeting in my family. Um my family hates family meetings. Let me just say that. And there are only three of us. We have one kid. Like, it's not like we need a family meeting. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know why I feel like I need to do that. So I did it the other night. We were all laughing about this earlier. Um, because dishwasher is a little bit the bane of my existence. It's the, probably the only thing I'm obsessive about. Um, I have zero perfection streak. But for whatever reason, I do about my dishwasher. So I, um, we were all having a great time. Everybody was sitting. We were watching a movie together. Everybody was at peace and enjoying it. And I walked in the kitchen and I realized that all the dishes were in the dish in the sink. And so I said, "Okay, guys, pause the movie. I'm calling a family meeting. Okay, are you feeling this? (laughs) (laughs) This is an example of bad timing, by the way. So I bring I I sit down and I turn and I face them. I was like, guys, we need to have family meeting. It is immediately met with resistance because everybody's relaxed and enjoying themselves. Let me say it again. And I'm like, I am not the only one who can load the dishwasher. Okay, what have I done well in that moment? Nothing. I mean, I'm like,
2: literally, <laughs> how are you I,
0: feeling? Yeah, where's the feeling word? There was in there? no feeling yeah. word there. And so finally, and it's funny, like I got that far in and I was like, wait, let me rephrase that. You guys, I feel frustrated that I am the one who's going in and loading all these dishes. And, um, and so we all started laughing cause it was funny and I was being dramatic and like all these things. And my family's very quick to call me on my stuff. Um, and, and I then walked it back, had an I statement in that moment owned my stuff and felt, um, nothing changed by the way, but the sink was still full of dishes. Nothing changed except for, I felt better because I shared how I felt and it was received when I did it the right way. It was received well. And when
2: Sarah and we did just talk about this and I'm like, why is it that we, the primary caregiver, the default parent feels like we have to call a family meeting right. to talk about our feelings? <laughs> I don't think we're calling a family meeting if any of my kids want to tell me how they're feeling. In fact, I'm setting up a family meeting every night when I say, hey, honey, how are you feeling? Right. But we feel like we have to call a family meeting for people to listen to us or for our feelings to be that important. And so we need to shift that culture for, for everybody. So I think the things that we've talked about is number one, know what your feeling is number two you have to check yourself and about how how much you're feeling it in the moment and if you can deliver your feeling in a calm and rational way
1: right the self-regulation is huge yes and everyone is going to lose their cool sometimes yes
2: yes everyone is going to lose their cool sometimes but don't say
1: i'm mad and i'm going to tell you how i'm mad right
2: now Yes.
1: So you don't, (laughs) you don't want sharing your feeling to be an attack on the person that you're sharing it with. Because what we're trying to say is you're modeling a healthy way to like express and verbalize your feelings so that it's safe for you and for your family to express feelings. And if you're doing that, then it's still not safe.
0: Yes. So what you're saying is the message has to be Regulated, calm and good and honest and solid. But the delivery system also has to be timed well and executed well. By the way, I'm not sure I do all those things at the right time in the same way. But, but like, so my family meeting I called, I was very calm. But my message, so the delivery system was awesome, I think. But my message itself wasn't really solid. Mm-hmm. I wasn't being totally honest about how I felt when mm-hmm. I first introduced it.
2: No, you are doing what I essentially call everybody in my family therapy sessions out on. It's my newest pet peeve, which is we as human beings, we all know we're supposed to be using I statements. We're all supposed to be saying I feel in order to communicate well. I feel what? Well, so what happens (laughs) in every family session is people will be like, I feel like you treated me badly. (laughs) I feel like you did this, which is essentially the opposite of an I feel statement. An I feel statement is I feel feeling word when you action. Right, Caroline? Yes. Specific action. So I feel sad angry, frustrated, joyful, any of those feeling words is the next word that should be in that statement. Does that? Yes, everybody here is nodding with me. The teenage girls are all over this one. I'm loving it with them. I'm going to put out a little PSA for teenage girls on this recent like tomorrow, incidentally. Um, so for you all, it's I feel feeling word when you
1: action. So I feel frustrated when you leave the dishes in the sink. Not I feel frustrated when you're disrespectful. That's not a specific action.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Or I feel frustrated when the dishes are in the sink is passive. I'm not saying guys. So it has to be
1: a specific action. So the person understands why you're feeling the feeling.
0: And it gives them an opportunity to correct. To
1: change it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Great! You've really elevated my
2: understanding of this. Hey, come to a
1: family meeting. You can help me out. (laughs) And I I have a lot of family meetings. (laughs) I feel frustrated when you drop toys on my head at night when I'm trying to go to (laughs) sleep.
2: That's perfect, right? And so you would do it in a calm way at a time where you you're able to talk about it, and your family is able to talk about it. It doesn't have to be at a family meeting. No, could be at dinner. Yes. Um, I'm listening
1: and you can edit. It's hard to get into the habit of using I statements and using them correctly. It's really easy to try to use an I statement and get caught up in not using it. So if you notice you're not using it, or I say to families, like if you're trying to use I statements and someone sort of blunders say like, do you want to try that again?
0: Oh, that's a nice way of saying it. Yeah, that's what my family, I mean, I, that's exactly what I did. And then they were like, man, wait, what? And so I was like, wait, let me try that again.
2: Okay, so use an I statement. We're going to put a little um, post on Instagram about this I statement, and we'll put it in the show notes because that, that equation is essentially the basis of how we want you all to be expressing your feelings. And also what research has shown is like the healthiest way to express the feelings.
1: Um, If you as an adult aren't sure what your feelings are, they're awesome, like either feelings charts or lists of feeling words online too. whether it's like 15 words or 150 words, depending on how specific you want to start getting with your feelings. But if you're like, oh, I don't know how to say how I feel, like tune into some of those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I know from
0: just practicing forever, like I would have a feeling chart in my room, and it was the kids were brilliant at it. The the adults I would work with, I'd be like, not a feeling word, like just teaching them how to use feeling words if they if it weren't modeled when they were kids. Um, absolutely, and I have to say too, when you're approaching your family, it, you know, there's some passive aggressive things that can be said or done out loud that. Um, it, which is also a little bit part of timing. Um, so I know a lot of times what I'll hear from some of the teens and kids that I work with is there's, you know, a parent that says something like, whose shoes are these? Or what are these shoes doing here? Or so the feeling that's putting being put out there is that someone's upset about that. Everybody knows that now. What is an accusatory way to start any question? What or Why? right? Immediately someone's being interrogated. So immediately the response is going to be defensive. So there are ways to also, you know, kind of taper some of that. So if you're speaking and feeling words, you're not going to make that mistake.
2: Absolutely. So you would just say, oh, I'm annoyed that I tripped over this shoe for the 17th time in the hallway.
1: Yes. And if you (laughs) have been making that mistake over and over and over again, right. And leading into like a defensive argument. I also want to just emphasize that trying new things is really scary, right? And so trying the I statements might feel like really weird and uncomfortable, both for you and your whole family. Like it might feel a little rehearsed or it just might not feel genuine, but it's like the more you do it, the more comfortable it's going to feel. And the less scary and anxiety provoking it's going to be for you to express what you're feeling.
0: And it's going to feel, it will feel awkward. I mean, hundred percent, it'll feel awkward if you're not used
2: to doing it. But you but in order to do something different, you have to feel something different. Right? Yes. So if you really believe in this idea that parents have feelings too, and it's important to express them to your family, which we believe it is, if it feels if it's something you haven't done before, of course, it's going to feel awkward. And that's how you know, it's something different that's going to be better for your family. So it's kind of living with that awkwardness, knowing it's important.
1: Right. So the awkward feeling that you have doesn't mean, A, you're not doing it right, or B, that you should stop. Absolutely. It means you're in discomfort. And if you keep doing it, it will feel familiar. And your
0: kids will catch on much faster than adults do in the family, quite honestly. You'll model it a couple of times and your kids will pick it up. Um, and I think the other thing I remind myself as a parent a lot of times is I'm not just doing this for the temper, temper of my uh, temper of my house right now and how everybody's feeling. I'm actually training a young adult to go out into the world and hopefully be in a healthy relationship with someone else who will be in a healthy relationship back with her. And, and this is a fundamental part of that. And if I can teach this now, imagine all the money they will save in couples therapy in the future truthfully, mm-hmm. or, or other types of that, because it, it's a simple thing, but it is so fundamentally important mm-hmm. just to share your feelings and to be honest about them. Cause I think also if you're a people pleaser, um, or you've grown up in chaotic home yourself or whatever, um, a lot of times you find that you, you read, uh, your audience and you decide how you're going to then share. And I think it's important to kind of move away from trying to mold your feeling into whatever is acceptable and really just own your feeling and be honest about it.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think it's equally important. Like, yes, your kids need to learn this, but it's also for you. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you are saving yourself a lot of time in therapy, feeling like your family doesn't understand you or you're not listened to. If it's maybe just that you're not saying how you're feeling. So can we do a little bit around kind of what
2: not to do because i do think there is and i like to talk more about how to do it because i think that's really important but i also think it's okay to be a little bit clear about what can what people are scared of because i think as a parent i hear share my feelings but you know i'm i'm struggling there's a pandemic out there i don't want that to be on my kids and that's true we don't want when we share with our children we don't want them to feel like they have to take care of us as parents, we want to do it in a way that is sharing our feeling. And we're also in control of it. And it's ours to take care of not our kids to take care of for us. Yeah,
0: you still have to be the adult in the room. It's very important for for kids to feel safe. And they feel safe when the the adult in the room is handling whatever's going on to the best of their ability.
2: Mm -hmm. So we can we've joked about some lighter things that we talk to our to our kids about, um, you know, frustration about dishes and, and, and such, but it's also important to name the heavier emotions. And you can do that as long as you are doing it in a way that is still with a measure of self-control about it. Doesn't mean you're not crying. Doesn't mean you're not having an emotional reaction, but it's a safe reaction. So thinking of
1: an example, um, it's still boundaried, right? You don't like feel the feeling and then waterfall. Like you could waterfall into your feeling with a friend or with your partner, right? Like I'm so overwhelmed at work. What if I get fired? What if I lose my job? Like, what does that mean for our family? Like you can waterfall like that and like get really deep in the feeling in a way that like feels like a relief for you as the adult. That's not necessarily the way that you can do it with your kid.
0: No, you just dumped way too much stuff you on that kid's plate. You just made it
1: really scary to feel a feeling. And I think so. I think
2: the key is saying, I feel really sad about the world and I'm anxious about what's happening at work. And I'm sorry if I've been you know, snippety with you. It's because I'm, I'm struggling with this and it's going to be okay. Like I'm doing things to take care of myself so that this doesn't keep on happening. Yeah.
0: You want to show some safety. So yep. you, you want the kid to feel like you still have some control, even if it doesn't feel completely like you're in control of all the circumstances. I mean, none of us have control of this pandemic. None of us know, you know, kind of some of the things surrounding that, but we can still talk about our feelings about it without scaring our kids in an overwhelming way. And again, you have to read your own kid. Some kids, might be already super anxious about the pandemic. So you can say, Oh, I really understand you feeling anxious. I feel like that too sometimes, but you certainly don't then have to read a laundry list of reasons why you are anxious. Cause that's just going to really make your kid feel super anxious. So again, kind of reading your audience, understanding who you're sharing with and what is needed by that, by your kid too. I mean, they, they need to hear your feeling. They don't need to understand every detail of your feeling, nor do they need to understand the depth and, and kind of show you they understand the depth of the feeling. Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, even thinking about the riots on the Capitol. So watching that, I think a lot of families were watching that and a lot of adults were scared by what, what we saw on, on the news. And I think saying, I'm scared about this. I'm scared of where our country is. And I'm really sad that this is where we are and adults are going to take care of it. And tomorrow is going to look the same way today did for you. So it's really sharing it in a controlled way, but not giving it too much power. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think really checking in, oh, I want to say about kids taking care of you. So we part of the reason we're doing this is for us. And part of the reason is so that our kids can develop a sense of empathy. We want them to say, oh, mom or person, you know, partner in the future, you're sad. I'm going to make some changes or I'm going to do some things to help you because I love you. You can allow your kids to do some things like that and you don't want them to go overboard. So if I say, I'm really sad about, you know, my, my grandmother's sick, I'm feeling really sad about that. And my son says, Oh, I'm really sad about that too. Can I walk the dog for you tomorrow to make your life a little easier? That's great. That's a super helpful, empathic response, really warm and within his capability. If he says, I'm going to skip school and make you breakfast in bed and clean up the house and he's going to run himself ragged because he's worried about me. That's where I can say, "You know what? You don't have to do that. Like I can take care of all these things. I'm an adult. I'm okay. I appreciate it, but
0: you still get to work on your own developmental tasks, which is like his own jobs for that age." Can I say something about that too? I think um with kids what parents don't realize is when kids have to be pulled out of childhood to cope with something like that and they they ha- have to shift gears and and become what we call parentified, which is to act like an adult beyond, you know, when they're still children, they really have a difficult time transitioning back. So when we pull kids out of childhood, put new expectations on them, or they assume and we allow them to assume these expectations um, and responsibilities, it's very difficult and oftentimes they don't go back to being a kid again. They stay kind of more advanced in their um, in their kind of, I guess coping mechanisms and some of their maturity and um it's just not always healthy for them
2: Mm -hmm. because then they can go into romantic relationships mostly just worrying about the other person and not and and suppressing their own thoughts and And they're not feeling their feelings yeah they're
0: not feeling their feelings right they're feeling everybody else's feelings
1: do we have any other i guess what about if your kid is telling you all about how they feel
2: So this is the other thing I think we all see in our, in our work is a kid might be in the middle of saying, I'm feeling sad about the fight we got in last night or the way you talked to me. I'm, I'm hurt by the way you talked to me last night. And it's very easy as a parent to want to jump in with your own thoughts and feelings about whatever fight that was. But when a kid is telling you, how they are feeling you actually that's not when you want to talk about your own feelings that's when you actually want to stop and listen to what they're saying can you say that again when your kid is talking to you about their feelings that's absolutely when you don't want to talk about your feelings
1: whether it was an argument with you or they're saying like i had the worst day at school because i got in an argument with a friend Right. You want to stop and listen to what's going on with them and not say, like, well, when I was in eighth grade and I got in an argument with a friend because now the kid senses that this is about you Mm -hmm. and it's no longer about them. Yeah, this is not
0: a teaching moment or a time for you to now dump back onto your kid Mm -hmm. all the things that you felt at that age. Those are lovely stories and great narratives on your life that could be saved for another time. And even that can actually serve as a great opportunity to check back in with your kid Mm -hmm. and say, you know, I, I know you were upset yesterday when we talked in the car. Um, I have a really funny kind of interesting situation that was, or, you know, a sad or whatever situation that was really similar when I was in eighth grade. Would that help to hear about it? Or are you interested? I mean, your kid might say yes, your kid might also roll their eyes and go back to whatever they're doing. But again, the, the time is theirs if they open the floor to, to discuss emotion. Um, take it, run with it, validate it. That's a really important moment of sharing. If your kids share with you, it's huge. Um, but it is not your time then to take over.
1: It's also not your job to have the perfect response. Caroline,
2: you are all about like um, being so gracious to parents. I appreciate it so much because it would be really easy as someone without kids to not be so gracious to parents. And you are so gracious. Thank you. No, you're glad I can help. No, you um, really are.
1: But, I, you know, I think sometimes what happens is your child. Again, not a parent, but your child tells you something like really heavy or overwhelming or heartbreaking. Right. And you're like, what do I do? Right. What do I do? Now that I have this, like, what do I do with it? And so what you're trying to do when you tell that story about yourself is like relate and hold the emotion. And it's okay. Like if you don't know what to say in that moment, you can just say, thank you for telling me you're so overwhelmed. That sounds really hard in response to any feeling that your child ever says, if you don't know what to say, I think that can be your go-to response. Is that fair?
0: Yes. And I, I was going to say, there are lots of heartbreaking moments as a parent, clearly. But I have to say, most parents remember that moment when your kid first tells you that somebody doesn't like them which happens early on, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's someone in preschool usually or some first social setting and they're like, so-and-so doesn't like me or so-and-so was mean to me. It's like that moment where you're like, how could anybody be mean to my kid? You're so sweet. You're so... It is heartbreaking, but really what that kid wants to know is that you still love them and you validate how they feel. They don't want you to fix it or be your, their new social engineer. Um, but that is like, as a parent, you so want to fix it. You so want to not mm-hmm. have them suffer in any way. So I think um, it's an automatic parent response, but it is one to be like you said, Caroline, it's so helpful not to jump in and do that in that moment. Um, you're giving your kid a chance to grow. Mm-hmm. So, We do think
2: it's important that you share your feelings, just not immediately piggybacking when on when your kid shares their feelings. And I think we'll do a whole other podcast on how to respond to your kids feelings, because that's just as important, because ultimately we're saying talking about feelings is important. And the reason we are talking about this stuff is because we know you love your kids and we know your feelings are important. And, and introducing this into your relationship with your kids is only going to improve their lives and your lives and your relationship together.
0: Absolutely. And your whole house will benefit. It's not just you, your kid. I mean, other, if you have other children, they're watching, they're going to benefit. Your partner will benefit. I mean, modeling goes a long way. And it's important that
2: our kids see us as people, because it's not all about them. I mean, up to a certain age, like five, it is mostly about them. And then it's not all about them. And so by talking about this, and by being people, once they turn about five, we're really giving them a long time to learn how to work with people and to learn how to be empathic and understand other people's emotions. We're setting them up for success. If we're not saying, okay, you're 18. Now you have to do something you've never done before.
1: Feeling your feelings is empowering. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we're raising,
0: you know, we're raising roommates or raising somebody's partner or raising someone's colleague and, and having this skill early on is going to just make them all that more successful in all those areas. So thanks y'all.
2: Let us know if you have any thoughts, any questions. How are you guys feeling? I feel empowered. I'm going to be honest. I feel empowered because, you know, I've got a little feminist in me and I, I know men struggle with this, I said this, but I'm also like, we're gonna let the women,
1: we're gonna let the moms share their feelings. It feels good. I feel grateful. I always love this time, so. Yeah, me too. I
0: feel really empowered and grateful. And um, I have to admit, I'm not planning my next family meeting. (laughs) Good, you can have feelings without that. I learned something. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Please remember, we are real-life therapists, however, this is a podcast and is not considered a therapy session, not only because there's no copay, but also because we can't speak to your individual experiences.
2: We're here to help you keep raising healthy kids, and remember, if you're an imperfect parent, we're right there with you.
1: If you or someone you love is in immediate danger, please call your local crisis hotline or go to your nearest emergency room.